Hello, everybody. Welcome to the third installment of the Creating a Happiness Habit series. Uh, we have This is a four-part series, so we are almost through. And if you have not yet caught the first two episodes, you can go back and listen to them uh, wherever you, hap you happen to be listening to or watching this. You can also go back and listen to the previous uh, episodes of this series. So, but otherwise, I'm so glad you're here. And um, the uh, the question, if you are following along and have listened to the previous two episodes, last week I shared with you what I called, at least when I was writing this series, which has been a few years ago, I called it like my lowest point. And I think that's still accurate. I just don't feel that like I used to before because I, you know, I am, I'm past it. And so this is a really good uh, example of how moving past and doing, you know, checking, revisiting things shows you how you evolve, how you have grown. So if you did have listened to the previous episode, have you been practicing calling your energy back? Because I shared that activity in the previous episode as well. And if you have been, how's it going for you? Have you noticed a difference? Uh, do you practice it kind of on the go? Have you tried establishing a regular time to practice it? I would love to hear all this feedback because I love seeing how you guys implement this and what results you experience. So uh, let's get going. So that was just the, 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 what is it? The check-in from last week. Have you been practicing uh, calling your energy back? And so before I get into the story part of today, I want to talk a little bit more about energy since that's what the topic was last time, kind of tying this into that and how energy ties into or connects with manifesting. Because ultimately, you and me, all of us, we are manifesting all of the time, even if you don't realize it. So in reality, we are all expert manifestors. The thing is, or the trick is to, to focus on doing, doing it intentionally and creating the circumstances and the life that you desire on purpose, right? So that uh, is what we'll talk a little bit about as well. So for those of you who are new or maybe just as a refresher or you're not really clear on it, what the heck is manifesting? If you've heard this word for a while and you're not really positive, um, you know, there are lots of definitions and explanations out there. So everything that I am sharing with you is, of course, coming from my experiences, my points of view, what makes sense for me, and hopefully it will either make sense for you as well, or provide a little bit of clarity, or give you something to chew on, right, to think about and compare or use along with other information that you come across and that also uh, resonates with you. That is what ultimately I do and I continue doing as I learn new things or my perspective shifts. I definitely share that uh, with you because we're all always evolving as well, right? So what is manifesting? The very A very basic answer that I share and that resonates with me that really worked visually for me is the projection 
of your inner reality to your external reality. So that sounds very complicated. So basically it's like if there was a projector, there's an, a movie image or a movie picture, whatever, running inside of your head and think of a projection, projector, projector inside your head, projecting that out onto a screen, like in a movie theater, exactly like that. So the inside imagination, the inside movie, being projected out and then you living it and experiencing it instead of watching it play out on a screen. So it's like, if you are watching the movie, manifesting is putting yourself right in it so that you are experiencing it. And it starts with that visualization, with that imagination, seeing yourself there in your mind's eye so that when you are actually experiencing it, it's kind of like, oh yeah, this is familiar. I know what this feels like. I've already seen this and experienced it. And now it's going from the inside of your brain to the tangible and external reality that you can see and other people can see in the physical world. Um, so what you believe to be true in your heart and in your mind manifests into your life experiences. So whatever you believe, whether that's good, positive, indifferent, um, that is what you are continually manifesting. The feelings, uh, the thoughts that you focus on, those are going to be the things that attract your reality. So if you are constantly focusing on negative things and what's going wrong and how things are terrible, you will attract and manifest more of the same. You will attract and manifest more of things that match that frequency and that energy. So that's where I said the trick is to do it intentionally and on purpose to start making the shift to focusing on things that you want and how to help yourself feel better and feel good as much of the time as you can, learning how to get back to that and focusing, focusing, my words are doing weird things today, focusing on positive and desired results instead of the default or like the, um, what's playing on autopilot in your, the back of your mind. If that's not helpful or beneficial, then it's, the work is to switch that and rewire that and develop new um, autopilot thinking and reasoning and focusing. Uh, for example, last week in or in the last episode, the example that I shared where I that was my lowest point, you know, um, I what I now know and see and realize is that I created that unhappy and that undesired situation because I was thinking and focusing on the negative or the things that I was not happy about being in an unfulfilling relationship uh, that I didn't have or earn enough money, you know, to support myself. So I felt like I had to, you know, settle and stay where I was, um, that I couldn't change my situation. That's what I thought. That's where my thinking was. And so I was creating more of that, more evidence to support that type of thinking. And it continued to be my reality until something changed um, or I changed something and I will be getting to that in, in a little bit, telling you that story. 
And when I changed that, then I began creating or manifesting a new reality. Even though at the time, back then, I didn't know that's what I was doing. <laughs> I wasn't familiar with the term manifesting. I wasn't, you know, aware of this projection and what you focus on. This was um, probably the very, very early um, stages or early points of actual like personal development that I was getting into, like very early stages, just learning um, about this concept more than just kind of like, okay, yeah, there's a personal development thing. You know, people do that. That was, so it was more of like learning and and starting to do and practice and work on myself, but I had not yet come across or I was not aware of what manifesting was, but that just supports that we are manifesting all of the time. We, we just haven't noticed it or didn't know it until we learned that that's what we've been doing. Um, Okay, so basically, whatever you believe to be true in your mind and heart is what you create in the physical world. That projector, projector analogy, that um, example that I shared just a little while ago was a great visual for me. And I do like visual learning and learning by example and metaphor because it gives me things I can relate to. So if that works for you, if you're the same as well, then I will, I very often do that. I teach and share by metaphor and actual examples. And hopefully that you as well with grasping these concepts and understanding them on a level that makes sense. And you can then start working with them. So um, let's see, I'm following on my notes here. Believe to be true. So yes, the projector analogy was a great visual for me. And then when I did start learning about manifesting, I envisioned my beliefs as that movie projector, as that movie projector. Like that was really the example I leaned into because I could imagine myself sitting in a movie theater, having these thoughts in my brain, putting them out there and then like stepping into that, that movie myself. Right. Um, and so now that you know <laughs> that you're manifesting all of the time, it's time to start intentionally creating the experiences, the life, the um, circumstances uh, of your ideal life, what you want to be experiencing instead of saying, oh, I hope it happens. And it first starts by learning how or stepping into believing Believing in them, believing in your dreams and doing that inner work, that personal development work that I was learning about and taking the steps to get there. And so you will also hear me say very often that I specialize or what I love doing is taking you from creating your vision board to living your vision board. And anywhere along that process that you happen to jump in, that is really my focus because Believing in our dreams is how we make them a reality. That's how we take actions. And a lot of times it doesn't feel believable. It feels far away. And so practicing and getting that to be the new normal and the new way of seeing things definitely takes work. And it's an ongoing process because as we do that, we just continually 
um, keep up leveling and finding new things that we want and having to become the person over and over again that has those things. So by becoming the person, you attract them because that is the energy and the vibration that you are uh, putting out there. So that was the uh, lesson, so to speak, part of it. So now I will get into my aha moment, the story following that lowest point that I was at in the last episode and that I shared a little while ago. So it was the summer of 2013. This is when this is happening. And um, during that summer, I was visiting and staying at my aunt's house in Washington because we were all there, family, for a family reunion. On my, This is my aunt on my mom's side, so my mom's sister. Um, so my cousins were there, my nephews, you know, my, my cousin's kids, you know, all, all that side of the family uh, was there visiting. So I was staying at my aunt's house. And during that time, I was so happy to be with my family for an extended period of time. And I was doing my best. Like when we were doing stuff, I was definitely in it. I was, um, you know, enjoying the activities, loving connecting and visiting with cousins and and their kids and all that stuff and going to do stuff while we were there in in Washington. So I was doing my best to enjoy what we were doing. But inside, internally, I was a wreck. I was not, you know, it's like inside I was like that dread, right? Because I was being while I was there, I was also experiencing I wrote in the the email series that that I'm sharing this from that I was being bombarded by negativity and manipulations and nasty accusations, you know, from my then boyfriend that um, who had been unable to make the trip. So he was back in Illinois, which is where I was living at the time. And I was out West in Washington uh, with my family for the reunion. And also a little bit of backstory. I had been out there for almost the whole summer because before the family reunion, I was visiting my brother and sister-in-law helping out with my nephews because my sister-in-law had had surgery. And since I did work for the school district back then, I had the summers off. So I was able to do that. So the universe definitely helped me out in that situation and actually created a situation that I was able to get out of that energy. I was able to get physically away from that negative space and into a place where I was around family. And I would, it was, it gave me the time to realize that, okay, this is what I want. It's time, you know, this is, this feels good. And that feels like shit. So, you know, I was realizing those things, but like I said, internally, I was a wreck because the phone calls and the text messages and, um, just all the crap that I was that I was dealing with on that end of it, we you know from from my then boyfriend at the time. Um, and for those of you who mercifully have not experienced something like that type of treatment, you know, I hope that you never do. But for me, of course, it was perfect for my story and it was perfect for my circumstances and for the lessons that I needed to learn based on my, you know, what I was creating, my reality that I was creating. Um, 
But it was the the low point. This is why I wrote about it and shared. It was my low point because that type of treatment and receiving that is soul crushing. And I wrote joy stifling. I don't know if that's an actual term, but that's what it felt like. And I was doing my best to put this great face forward with my family. And I was truly enjoying what I was doing, like visiting and all that. But I was putting this face forward or inside. I was, you know, I was, I was not, I was not, I was not in a good place emotionally at that point. Um, And so for this family reunion, like I said, um, those of us that were not from there, not, did not live there, we were visiting and staying at my aunt's house. So one night there, I don't think it was the last night, but towards the end anyway, uh, we, there's a house full of people. And so I was sleeping on one of the couches in the living room. And on this particular night or that particular night, I couldn't sleep. It's not that I was tossing and turning. I probably just wasn't wound down enough yet from all the stuff that was going on. So I was just kind of laying there, very aware that I was feeling very sad, just feeling very sad about having to soon leave my family. um, And just kind of, you know, I don't know if, if you don't know, haven't experienced that exact type of circumstance. I'm sure there's something where you're just like, oh, you know, if it's not even on a great level, like leaving, you know, camp or your friends or your family or for, you know, something different, just kind of like that, just aware of your, of the sadness for what's coming, the events or whatever that that's coming. And while I was laying there and I know that I was awake because I had not thought, you know, I didn't like wake up from a dream or anything after that. I, um, where am I here? So I was feeling sad about having to leave my family. And I heard, I heard the distinct message in my head. I was aware of that, but I heard the voice. So if you know what that's like, I heard the voice that it's time for you to come home. And I recognized the voice. It was in Spanish. So I knew it was my grandma and she had passed away several years before that. So I heard her voice. I recognized it in my head and it's time for you to come home. And I heard her say that in Spanish. And and before moving forward, I do want to share that going back to the Midwest, like where I had been living and, and where um, I, had, I was working at, where I was living at the time, I never considered the Midwest home right? It was where I lived. I lived there for 12 years and it was where I, ha- you know, where I bought a house and I had a house there and all of, all of that, but it wasn't home, like that sense or feeling or connection of home. Home was wherever it was, where my family was, where, you know, I grew up in California and that's where the majority of my family was and still is. And so home to me was with my family, especially after having that summer of really loving that extended uh, time with them. And so that's what I associated with that message, that it's time to come home. It's time to come back home to, to, to family. And so once I decided, like once that sank in or once that settled in, once I decided that it was time for me to come home, like 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 my Nana told me, <laughs> that 
is where my thoughts and energy were focused. That was the, I don't want to say singular focus, but the biggest focus for me. Um, and because of that, like coming home and finding ways to come home and what do I need to do and what's going to happen, I began figuring things out. I began figuring out ways and taking steps towards that goal, right? So even though I'm sure it was um, very much apparent that I would be ending that relationship, I did officially end the relationship uh, that I was in. I started selling things like furniture and odds and ends that I had. Uh, I made plans, you know, for when I did come back to California, I made plans to rent a room at my aunt's house so that I didn't have to come up with like the first and last deposits and get furniture and all the things for, for an apartment. So I didn't need to spend that startup money and I could pay lower rent while I got myself situated once I got back here and got on my feet <laughs> once I was back here in California. And then I had been with the school district, I think for seven or eight years. So I had a good accumulation of like uh, vacation time, sick time, all those things. So I used my payout since I was leaving, since I left, you know, I left my employment with them. I used the payout of my unused vacation time um, and the money from the things that, that I sold um, to live off of once I got here, once I got here. So I was, I had like that cushion. And like I said, I made my expenses as low as I could. Um, I made arrangements to rent my house, uh, that I was living in cause it did not sell. It was just to give you reference from the time I was, um, in Washington to then going back to Illinois and ultimately coming back to California was about a year. Um, since I was working at the school district, when I got back to Illinois and I had decided, like, I didn't know how it was going to happen, but I decided that I was going to be moving back to California. I, at the beginning of the school year, I gave my notice for the end of the year. I said, I'm going to be here this entire school year, but I will not be back next year. So I basically didn't give myself an out. <laughs> I said, well, I mean, there are, I mean, of course I could have done other things, but that was, I, I did that at the beginning of the school year. I didn't wait to the end to see how it would work out, to see if I had enough money or whatever. I just school, when we were getting ready, I went in, talked to the principal and gave him my notice that you can count on me for this year, but you'll need to replace me or find something else with the, you know, whatever for next school year. And I made arrangements in that time, my house didn't sell. And so there were people I knew kids there. I mean, they were in their early twenties, but I call them kids, kids, a friend, a friend of mine who were looking to get a house. And so we made the arrangements to like for them to to rent it, to own it, rent to own. Basically, there's a term for that, that they are that is common out there. And I've just forgotten what it was. <laughs> it's just like it's not necessary information anymore. So I made that arrangement so that then the house payment continued to get covered and and all the things. And they actually purchased a lot of the things that I was trying to sell. Or, you know, that they would that they would like to have left in the house once they got it. So it worked out really well. I didn't have to get rid of a lot of stuff, but I was still selling it to them because they didn't have those things. They were going from an apartment 
to a bigger house. So it worked out. It worked out great. And so these are the types of things that I started doing and that I was doing throughout that year. Um, and like I said, it took one year from the night that I heard that message from my Nana um, telling me to come home to the day my dad flew out to get me to, you know, flew out to the Midwest um, to help me get things wrapped up at the house and get the car ready for, a you know, halfway across the country road trip and loaded and all those um, things again. And I still, this is several years, like I've been back in California um, for a nine years, nine years now. It's been nine years since then. It's been 10 years since that crappy summer, that last summer. But since I got back, it's been nine years. And I still get that like, oh, you know, that thought of my, you know, when my dad flew out to, he flew out to St. Louis um, and I went and I drove to pick him up there so that we could make the drive back together. And that was, that was it. Once I was, once I saw him at the airport, I'm like, oh, it's going to happen. And I still get teary eyed. Like right now I still get teary eyed just thinking about that. Um, so coming to get me to take me back home because that's what he does. That's what he's done throughout my life <laughs> to come get me from the places I venture off to and, um, and bring me back home and see if you're not watching this, if you're only listening to it, I do, I still get teary eyed because it's just, that's, that's just what he does <laughs> or has done has done up until then. in the last nine years, I haven't needed that. So, oh goodness. Emotion. It's a crazy thing, isn't it? So I can honestly say that that year from, from, the time that I decided, I heard that message and I decided um, to when I went to go pick my dad up, that was the hardest damn year of my entire life, getting out of that relationship um, and learning like this, those challenges, those really crappy times, they taught me. So through that, I learned that I had the strength to withstand that barrage of negativity and anger and maliciousness that was directed at me. Um, and, and okay, it sucks and it's crappy and I don't like it, but I'm getting away from it. So I learned I had that strength and I tapped into it and it was a lot. It was a lot. Like in this email series I wrote, it was a ton. And like now if I was telling the story, as I think about this, I would say something like it was a shit ton of crap and negativity that was thrown and sent at me that I was experiencing. And yet I'm eternally, I am forever grateful for all of that crap because I am on the other end of it now. And what I did, what that experience helped me do was shed the skin Um that I will never fit into again, like a snake shedding its skin, you know, a snake sheds its skin as it grows and expands. And so it sheds the skin. And once it does, it's too big to fit back into that skin. So that's what I experienced. Like I shed that skin that I had and I will never fit back into that skin. Yes. I might fall back on thinking, you know, uh, ways of thinking and habits, I might fall back on them or thoughts might pop up, 
that I was having back then, but I will not get to that point because that skin no longer fits anymore. I can't squish or maneuver myself back into it. So I am eternally grateful for that. And um, that is basically the overall analogy for personal growth and development that I live by and that I look at these challenging or not these, like those types of challenging times. And I have had subsequent challenges and um, not so great experiences, not along the same lines, but I still, based on that one, that lowest point moment, that year, I, I now, that is my default when, you know, when shit hits the fan or when stuff kind of feels like crap, I'm like, okay, there's something in this for me. This is an experience that is preparing me for something else. I'm learning something and that has now become my default. And yes, I can still say that, you know, things when that's happening, it doesn't feel great. And I let myself get angry and sad and frustrated and all things, but I don't dwell there. And I'm well aware of the fact that it's not, oh, life is happening to me. It's definitely life is happening for me. And these experiences are necessary and are like the boot camp, if you will, to prepare me for, um, I need to learn them and overcome them. And they are, they are preparing me for that next level. Or I need to do that just like a boot camp. I need to go through that training to be able to do it in real life or when the circumstances arrive that it's preparing me for. And that is now my default way of thinking for anything that's challenging or difficult. Um, and so in addition to realizing that, yes, I'm strong enough and, and learning those lessons, I also, that experience also made me realize that I actually value myself. I valued myself enough to endure that crappy year, to be brave when I felt, you know, scared as all get out to end that relationship, to put my notice in at work, not knowing how I was going to get money to move back to California. But I valued myself enough to get out of that situation. And I also know that I will never settle for that type of treatment ever again. Um, because it didn't feel good. And I have come through to the other side of it. And no matter what I'm going through or what mistakes I make in life or what challenges are come my way, I am worthy of being treated with love and respect and kindness. And I was not being treated that way. And I realized that I won't. I was, I valued myself enough to not settle for that type of treatment. And realizing that I valued myself and that I'm worthy of those things is absolutely priceless because I now know that. I don't question it. And if you're needing to hear this, so are you. You are valuable. You are worthy of respect and kindness and love from yourself and from the people in your, in your circle, in your environment. So that is the story cumulatively of my lowest point and moving past it. And there are so many things between then and now that have shifted and focuses of what I'm doing and life experiences and the way I think. So just know that those crappy, challenging, 
times that feel awful and soul crushing and um what was the word i used um joy stifling that's yeah, joy stifling those things are happening to point out a lesson to do to definitely teach a lesson but to help prepare you for what's coming down the road and um I mentioned, I don't remember if it was last week or the week before, that I was I was well aware that I found myself settling because I did not want to admit to myself or go through another failed relationship. Um, and that's also part of the lesson. We keep repeating the issues until we learn the lesson. So if we're some if we're, you know, for one circumstance, if it's a lesson we learn quickly, we don't have to go through that again. But I, you know. I'm stubborn at times <laughs> and talked about before rebelled. I did used to rebel in the, in an unhelpful way, not in a positive way, but unhelpful ways in the past. So it took me a while to learn the lesson and that's nobody's fault. That doesn't mean that, Oh, I was a victim. It's just how long it took me to get to that bottom, what my bottom and unacceptable were anymore. <laughs> So that's the end of this of this week's uh, episode in this series. Next week, week four, will be the final episode uh, in this happiness habit series. And I will be walking you through an activity or a process of creating a very personalized affirmation for yourself that you can use as a default affirmation, that you can use as a mantra, whatever. Um, whatever works best for you and in whatever capacity, but I will be walking you through that exercise. So if that is something that you think someone else will also enjoy, I invite you to share out the podcast, uh, depending on where you're watching or listening to this, you know, tag them, share it out, uh, and, uh, subscribe to the podcast so that you get notified when the new episodes come up and you get all that information readily, um, easily delivered to you. And that is what I've got. So thank you guys for being here. And um, I appreciate, I appreciate your time.